we have baptism today. Yeah. Sherry Taylor, my daughter-in-law, will be being baptized today. So, and it's also their anniversary, their first year anniversary. So it's a, it's a double blessing there today. So, yeah. Yeah, we need to pray to get our church back. My goodness, everybody seems to be gone lately. Um, go and be. Uh, it's a... Um, concept about, and I'll go, we'll get into all this here in a few minutes, but it, it, in, in this church for the last seven years, we've been kind of a, we've been mainly inward, we're trying to uh, figure things out and put things together, and, and uh, but I, I definitely believe God is saying, and every year I always try to come up with ideas for you, but I really believe what God is telling us he's really ready for us to go and be, um, and, I, and if he is, like I, like I said last week, just give me 11 people, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Jesus said, just give me, just give me a few that are really really want to get out to this community and reach it and it can be reached uh, because uh, we're not going to do it god's going to do it we're just going to uh, do it through him so go and be it, it's it's what i'll be preaching on for quite a while now as far as i can tell for several weeks uh and we'll get into the plans next week uh, i think you're really i think you're really going to uh find them pretty exciting uh, at least i've been on fire uh for one of them uh, for a long time and, and, and it, it, I, I, I just got to keep my mouth shut because I'm going to spit it out today and I don't want to. Uh, but I think the concept of what, what, I've got, of what God's plan for us is it's going to unify the church, even though the church is fine, but it'll be unify the church even more, but it's going to unify the community and the, and the workplaces. And it can do so much if we're willing to do it. And uh, today, this, today's message is, is uh, it, it's, it's, I got it titled as, Sometimes It Takes a Lot of Bacon. Have you got a picture from, from up there? You find that I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but, but that's all right. Hey, John, you got a picture for me? Or can I do it here? There it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I know. Everybody say, oh. oh. Yeah. That's Lexi. She uh, follows us around. Uh, she's always in one of our laps, and uh, she likes Vicky a little more, me, more than me. In fact, for a long time, uh, she wouldn't have much to do with me. I think she was scared of men, and she still bites people or men, especially when they come in the door. She likes to get their little ankles, and uh, she tries her best. But uh, um, you are the bacon that draws people to Jesus. And, uh, and the bacon is because what I would tell, what I tell people is, hey, that dog really loves you. Well, I, t I told Vicky yesterday, I said, it took a lot of bacon for that dog to love me. It really did. It took a lot of bacon to get that dog to love me. And in other words, I had I had to I had to I had to kind of bribe her, you know, to love me. Uh, you know, you you put that bacon in your pocket and whatever you got to do, and that dog she smells that bacon. She'll be over there, buddy. She'll be over there, Bill. And uh, but you know, w w and it just brought me to this, this understanding that. that we're like the bacon, you know? I mean, we've got to be the bacon. I mean, who doesn't like, unless you're Muslim, I mean, who doesn't like bacon, you know? Uh, you know, pour on the bacon, you know? They probably secretly like it. They might. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you are the bacon that draws people to Jesus. And, and the more bacon you give out, the more, I mean, it's your love, you know? You've got you to you have this bacon, and you've you got to have a, you know, that little dog, I had to have patience, you know? Just because I put bacon in my pocket one day and gave her bacon... That wasn't nothing. She didn't come to me the next day. I had to have bacon in my pocket again. You know, and I had to break off little pieces. And sometimes there were little, little pieces, and, and you just give her a little piece at a time. And, you know, as, as the months went on, 
That dog started to come and sit in my lap without the bacon. You know, it's, it's, it's people are, I don't want to say we're like dogs, <laughs> but they like to be treated with love and care, and, and you have to have patience with them. And, and as, we, as we go out into the community, we've got to learn to be the bacon. And we've got to learn to, that people can't handle all of it at one time. And they don't, need to, they don't need to do that. We don't need to go up there and say, you're going to go to hell or you're going to do this. We don't need to do those things. We need to start relationships and love people and feed them a little bacon. Now, I'll tell you what, you keep feeding them bacon, they're going to love you, and they're going to come back. One day, they're not going to care about the bacon. They just want to be around you because your love is so powerful. Amen? So bacon, you got to get some bacon in your pocket. Preferably not dog bacon. <laughs> I thought that was a good analogy. In John 15, 16, and 70, it says, You did not choose me. This is Jesus talking. You did not choose me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you for this message this morning, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the blessings of who you are and, and, and uh, Lord, where you've taken this church, where we've been, and all the things we've been through. and the, the beauty of it, and uh, Lord, even the, even, the, even the difficulties, Lord, we thank you for all of it, Lord, because we grow through every aspect of it. And Lord, we ask you to, to, as we go through this message today, that we really learn that it's, it's, uh, our faith has got to not be restricted by our flesh. And, and Father, that we would just, I just ask you to bless us, Father, as, uh, as we start to turn this church to go out into this community in a powerful way. And not just for a day or two, but, and Lord, for missions, Father, that we would become uh, a missions to Nineveh, but also maybe missions in other places. But Lord, if we, can't mi if we can't be missionaries in Nineveh, we're not ready to be missionaries anywhere. So Lord, I'm asking you to, to make us missionaries here in Nineveh. And Lord, if, the, if, if it comes fit, Lord, or you see us fit, Lord, then send some people out to be missions throughout this world. And Lord, we ask you just to be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You do not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That's a pretty powerful thing that Jesus gave us and his disciples. He says, you did not choose me. And a lot of people think, well, I, 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 I found God. Well, in reality, you didn't. God, God was never lost. We were the ones lost. And God used people like us to help lead us to him. Some of you people have, have been around people that's had bacon in their pockets for years. And that bacon, I had people with bacon in their pockets for years to help me. And some of you have too. And it led us closer to God. It led us into, into this relationship closer to Jesus. And how thankful I am for the mentors and the people that led me where I am here today. God didn't he didn't choose me to be an idle person, nor did he choose you to be an idle person, nor did he choose his disciples to be idle. He chose them for a purpose, and he said, I have a plan for you, and he expects us to fulfill those plans. The problem is a lot of people were lazy, and we think sitting in the pews and the chairs is good enough. Well, it's not good enough, and that's not what we're called to be in this church. We're called to go out. Do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. And look, that word appointed, that means he appointed you to, to a specific task. And if he's appointed you to this church, he's appointed you to this church to do a specific task through this church. 
We need, there's several things we could use in this church, and one of them is youth ministers. And I use it in plural because it could be more than one. It could be two, three, four. It could be whatever. Youth ministers. I mean, we've got youth now that with, with have a, a full-time youth minister for a long time. And, and, and we've got a lot of kids that are about this high, and they're getting this high, and they're getting this high, and pretty soon they're going to be in the youth. And we don't have really somebody that, that is a full-time youth. But we've got some, Jacqueline's doing a wonderful job. Cole's doing a great job. We have people trying to do this, but we need youth ministers to step up and take hold of that. And you say, well, I've been praying for a long time. Trust me. The prayer team's been praying. We've been waiting and looking, but God hasn't brought anybody. So I kind of thinking maybe they're already here. And maybe you know who that is. I don't know. Maybe it's a touch in your heart. But those are one of the things we need. I would love to see the youth become evangelistic youth. I would love to see them go out and, and rake people's yards and clean up people's yards and do things around the community that the other youth do. I would love to see them do wonderful things. There's all kinds of things we can do with the youth. So that's, that's one aspect of this church that's needed de very desperately. And I would ask you to start praying for that. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and what? Everybody say what? Bear what? Fruit. See, Jesus had a plan for us, and, and the plan is to bear fruit. That's not difficult to understand. And it's not a plan for just, just the pastor and a few leaders to bear fruit. It's a plan for the, everybody to bear fruit. And I'm telling you, if you really want the blessings, bear fruit. Start bearing fruit where you work, where you go to school. Start bearing fruit. And you say, well, they can't come to this church. It's not all about this church. It's about the kingdom of God. The ones that God brings to this church is fine. Just bear fruit wherever you're at. I had more God stories this week. I could spend hours giving you God stories every single week. Bear fruit. That's what we're called to do. Fruit that will what? Last. Now, it's not my job to make that fruit last, but my job is to, is, to, is to bear the fruit. Now, God will help make that last. We have people come and go from this church continually because they're not willing to change. They come in, they say, well, wait a minute, this is not a feel-good church. I really got to do something. Yeah, you got to change because you won't sit under this teaching very long before you walk out the door, and I'm well aware of it. I can sit right here and see people for six weeks, and I can tell you they won't be back because they've not changed, and they're going to get tired hearing it. I've bared the fruit. I've done what I'm supposed to do. God will make it last on those he asked and those he anointed and chose. Amen? Your job is not to make them drink all the water. That's God's job. Our job is take them to it. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, people look at that and they'll say, well, no, he doesn't really do that. Well, I'm telling you something. You've got to have patience, amen? And you've got to continue to, to follow God's word, not compromise with God. I expect God to compromise with you, but follow his God's word to the T because that's the only thing that's going to get these prayers answered. And 17, this is my commandment, love each other. Love each other. There's no greater love than a man to give his life for another man. You've heard that. Sometimes giving that life is not maybe a life of, of, of where you have to go out and die, but, but, but your livelihood or your life that you really spend the time going out and starting relationships with people. Does that make sense to everybody? Go. In order to become bacon, you must first take the action of obedience. 
That starts in your war room of prayer and follows through with trust and faith. That's go. These are the first things. You've got, you've got to get in your war rooms. We preached on that and taught on that last year and had great classes on that. The war room of prayer and follow through with trust and faith. I think trust and faith is one of the hardest things for Christians to really grab a hold of. They'll say, well, I've got faith. Well, how about trust? I mean, do you really trust God? Because, I mean, honestly, most Christians don't really trust God. They can say they have faith, but there's no action. There's no trust with the faith. You've got to trust God in every single aspect of your life. Not the good things, all the things. Amen? Because that's the disciples that he's making. And that's the disciple he wants you to be. And anything less, you're just storytelling yourself. He said, well, why do people leave? Because I talk like this all the time. It's more than just to feel good. It's a commitment to God. I take it very seriously. He replied, if you have faith, and we preached on mustard seed a while back, but if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. And here's a principle I got for you. One's faith cannot be focused on the mulberry tree. It's not about the mulberry tree. One's focus cannot be played on the mulberry tree. Self-imposed restrictions, but instead on the faith of the one who will pull it up. Amen? Because I got news for you. You ain't pulling the mulberry tree up. He is. Yep. He is. And I tell you, every time we put, take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and everything that's going on, because I'll tell you what, you're going to see things you've never imagined out there. God will bring things to you you never thought he'd bring to you when you turn around and you start going out. You're going to deal with the, some of the, the darkest things you've ever imagined and some of the most wonderful things you've ever imagined. It's going to be a combination of all of it. And you've got to be able to have discernment and wisdom and help those people. And you do it through trusting and faith in God. Keeping close to his word. Keeping close to your prayer room. Is that too hard? I know for young Christians, we're going to talk about being zealous here in a minute. Some of these things can seem hard and stuff. I'm not asking baby Christians. You need to stay focused. You need to be planted with somebody else in the church. And step back and just watch. Take it in. Be mentored. And be prepared. One's faith cannot be focused on the mulberry tree because that brings self-imposed restrictions. See, that, that's what we do. This, this restriction, this restriction is the main part of this sermon. We, we, every time we take our eyes off God, we become restricted to what we can only do. But I'm telling you, God is not restricted. Amen? Everybody say, God's not restricted. God's not restricted. He is not. He's not in a box. He's not in some little small God that can't conquer or handle anything. He has no restrictions. We are the ones with restrictions. And we impose them upon ourselves because we think we have to move the mulberry tree. It's not my job. It's God's job. My job is to trust him and have faith to move that mulberry tree. And it's not so much a tree. It's, it's the things in your lives. It's the people in your lives that God wants to move towards him. Being bacon is hard work. I'm going to tell you. It's hard work. It took a lot of months and a lot of patience for that little dog. Because I really wanted that little, I always wanted this little lap dog, Bill. I always wanted to say, we always had big dogs. We finally got these little dogs. I want that, the, Blackwell backer knows. Don't you dare say you don't know Blackwell. He's got that little wiener dog called Biscuit. It's a sissy dog. I'm just here to tell you. 
Being bacon is hard work. It takes time. It takes effort. And it will take a massive amount of patience. But if you truly love what you're doing, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? Requiring the patience of Job. And an overzealous heart rushes past its own abilities. A, a, a person that's so zealous for God or, or so anxious, you can run past your own abilities. I'll give you some scripture to, to show you that in a minute. You can actually get way ahead of God. Which can lead to the need to back up and lay, and lay again the foundation of faith. If you get so far in front of God, it's not going to work for you. I, I went to that movie, The Shack, the other night. And I know there's controversy about that movie. It's a movie. I, I enjoyed it. I'm not recommending I'm not doing anything. I'm just telling you I enjoyed parts of it. But there was a part, and I want to bring it to you. It was, uh, uh, Jesus had got this man, this man was having a, his, the, I'm not going to tell you the movie, the man was just having a rough time, and, it, and he went out in the boat, and Jesus wasn't with him. And it, the boat started sinking black, like black oil, and sludge was coming up through the boat, and this man was panicked. And Jesus comes walking out on the water, and he holds his hand out to the guy. And the guy just didn't want to get out of the water, but he had to trust Jesus. And finally, he had no choice. He got out and trusted, and they walked to the other side. Now, the man had to go and meet, 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 meet wisdom, and some other things happened. But when he came back, he was zealous for God. Things started to, to click. He started to realize why his life was like it was, and he started to, to overcome that. And he came back, and Jesus was waiting for him on the shore, and he says, let's get across. I've got to go see God, the Father. And he starts to walk in the water, and he's, not, he's, he's, he's down to about his knees there, his ankles. And Jesus says, hey, you better take me. Amen? Amen. You, can't, you can be zealous for God, so zealous that we get ahead of him. And Jesus says, you better take me because you're just going to get out there to your about nose high, and you're going to drown. You've got to always take Jesus. So you always have to be patient and wait and take Jesus. If Jesus is not ready for you to cross yet, you don't cross. You wait on him. You don't get ahead of him when you're out evangelizing. If you're praying for wisdom and discernment, you'll know what to say and when to say it. You don't want to scare people away. You want to love them in. Amen? You want to love them in. You want to give them the bacon, little pieces at a time, and sometimes you can give them a big piece. They're ready for it. But you want to love them in. And there's a plan, and there's other things, and I'll go through all that next week, how to, how to work this out. But being bacon is hard work, requiring the patience of Job. And if you don't have this patience, if you're not ready for this, you're not ready. An overzealous heart rushes past its own abilities. I have abilities, but I can't rush past what God wants me to do. Which can lead to the need to back up and lay again the foundation of faith. Amen? Now, if I come up to you and I say, I love what you're doing, but you're trying to give them big strips of bacon and you need a little good piece, don't get, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. Don't get mad at me. I'm leaving the church. Good gracious, you never were here in the church. If that's what it takes, bye-bye. Peter took him aside, and this is Peter, zealous, zealous for God. Peter took him aside and, and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And, and Jesus was telling him that he's about to be crucified. And Peter says, this is not going to happen to you. And Jesus returned and said to, him, said to Peter, Can't get behind me who? Satan. Now, Peter's not Satan, but Satan was going to use the weakness and the overzealous of Peter to try to harm what God was doing. 
what Jesus was doing. And so Jesus hits him, what? Front right now. Amen? Now, I'm a pastor of the church. It's my job to do the same thing. I'm the shepherd. I've got to hit you straight on. He said, you are a stumbling block to me. I don't want anybody to be a stumbling block to this church. My goodness, there's enough of that, isn't there? You've got to be the bacon and the love, not the stumbling block. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. We're back to that restriction thing. He's restricted to what he knows. Now, you're going to come up on people with all sorts of problems and issues and all kinds of things in their lives. And we're quick to judge, aren't we? We're so quick to judge people, but how they look and how they dress, and I'm as guilty as any of you. But I don't know that person's background. I have no idea where that person come from. I have no, not a clue. And I can know people for a year and still not know a clue about what's going on in their past lives and things. I don't know because see, that past life has brought them where they're at. And they may have such a, a terrible past life. How dare I judge them on what I see when I don't know the whole story, but I know the man, I know the, the prophet, I know the God, I know the Lord and Savior and the King of Kings that does. Amen. And I said man because Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. He is God. He is the Lord and King. He is the prophet out of the line of Judah. There's never been anything like him. There's never been anything like Jesus. He knows everything. He knows the hearts and the pain and the sorrow and the love. When that lady was sitting there, they were going to stone her. He knew everything about every person that was in that circle that was ready to throw that rock at that lady in adultery. He knew it all. He bent down and wrote something on his grass, on the sand. You without sin cast the first stone. And they all had to walk away. They all walked away. Jesus knows. Amen? We don't. Our trust must be in him. Our job is to love and give bacon. You can go to somebody's house and you'll say, there's no way. There's no way God can work here. Well, thank you very much. You just put God in a little box and close it up and duct tape it up and all that kind of stuff. And God can't get out because you're not going to let him out. God is not restricted by your means or your attitudes. Amen? We are. We are. He's not restricted by this church. He's not restricted by anything. We are restricted by our lack of trust and our lack of faith in the abilities of God and who he says he is. Let us not become weary I'll tell you, I, I deal with this continually. Let us not become weary in doing good. Satan will come after you like, he, like Peter, like, like Peter came after Jesus, and, and Satan used him. He, he will do the same to you. But you go to the scripture and it says, let us not become weary in doing good because we are doing good. 
We are doing the best we can do with the abilities God's given me. And that's what he's called us to. Amen? Nothing more and nothing less. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen? I believe that. Do you believe that? Say something to me. Amen. I believe it. Now, weariness is a, is a, is a deadly thing. It's hard to, to deal with sometimes. You know, it's, it's, I, I've got a, just one little story I'll tell you. Maybe, maybe more than one. I was going over to Columbus, Ohio Friday. And I, I had a, a, a man call me from the SBC, somebody from Terre Haute. Because we're the top five churches in the, in the state for baptism and all that. And it was kind of, I thought it was kind of humorous a little bit because uh, he called and he says, I, I, I want to do an interview with you. I said, okay, I'm on the road. I ain't got nothing to do. I'm happy to talk about God or whatever. He says, we want to know what you're doing at, that, at the crossing over there to be able to evangelize this many people. I, in, in my spirit, I said, we're not doing anything. We haven't gone out yet. We've been in, stuck inside this church for seven years. We haven't even started to go out yet. But yet we're ahead of most every church, all the big churches and everything. Why? Why? Is that a freak accident? Is that a coincidence? It's because we love God. We're teaching you how to fall in love with God. I'm serious about it. And if you're not, I'm sorry, but you need to get there. I hear people say, I don't get fed at the crossing. That's the most immature statement a person can say. You're not getting fed. Let me ask you something. If you don't go to work, do you get fed? Go to work and you'll get fed. Get open your Bibles. It's not up to me to feed you everything. I'm not going to go to the refrigerator and get you a bottle of milk and hold it in front of your face for 24 hours a day. It's your responsibility. You're not getting fed because you don't want to be fed. Bye-bye. I can't, I can't do any more than I'm doing. You want to love God? You want to love people? You're being fed. Do you believe me or not? You all know I preach hard. You all know I preach tough. I do it because this is what God asked me to preach. It's in my book. It's in my journal. I get it before you get it. I have to give it back in the way God gives it to me. Let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time. For at that proper time, we will reap a harvest if we will do not if we will just not give up. Now, I'll tell you what. This guy talks to me, and he said, what are you doing? And he started asking me all these questions. I said, about 90% of that people in the church get saved in my office. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, yeah. And I said, you know what? I said, when people get saved in my office, I said, you know what I do? I start going out the door, and I say, Sandy, come here. Bill, come here. I look over at Mary, whoever it is, come here. How many of you have been in my office when somebody accepted the Lord? A lot of you have. Now, I tell you, churches don't do that. It doesn't, it doesn't cross their mind. And I know that because I've told other pastors, and, they, and a light bulb goes off, and they said, and I've had pastors call me back and say, I did that. That was the most powerful thing I've ever done. Now, you know what I'm teaching when I do that? It's not just one fold. It's, there's several folds here into this. It's teaching, that, it's teaching you how to do it. It's giving you confidence to do it and the abilities to do it. You're not being restricted by what you think you've got to be restricted by. You're actually seeing how it works. And he says, well, what kind of plans and what kind of things have you got in place? I said, plans. 
I got a plan called the Holy Spirit. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I don't, you, you, you other churches, you do the, all the plans you want. There's all kinds of them out there. Go right ahead. I, it's up to you. It's not my deal. It's yours. But I'll tell you what. Here's my thought, and I gave it to him. You get on a plan and a program, you just restricted the Holy Spirit because you're going to be so intent on staying on the plan and the program that you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work. That's my opinion. That's Paul's theology. I've been through the plans. I've been through tons of plans. I've been through tons of programs. And I have found the best program is on your knees. Preparing yourself to lead these people to who Jesus Christ is. Why do people get saved in this church? Because we lead them there. We lead them there. Not just me, but all of you in the love. And, and maybe I get to, get to see a lot of the harvest and maybe a lot of you, but everything you do leads that. It's not one person. It's a unity of people. Amen? Now I'll tell you what. If we're not about P, leading people to the Lord, we're closing the doors. That is the number one thing. And then discipleship. We got to get them in here. Amen? We got a prayer team over. Bill, stand up for me. We've had a prayer team in this church for almost going on eight years pretty soon. It's been eight years for me, seven years for you guys. It's a powerful prayer team. He needs prayer warriors. The Lord needs prayer warriors. The church needs prayer warriors. I need prayer warriors. In that prayer room. This won't happen just overnight. But we got to be prepared. Amen. And we keep praying the restrictions of our self-imposed start to fade away. Confidence builds. Love builds. And the bacon builds. Amen. And they start smelling the bacon before you even get there. <laughs> I smell something good coming. It must be Brian or Stacy. Here they come. I know they're going to talk about Jesus, but they're nice people, and they sure make my day. You smell it. God is never dull or boring. Amen? I'm going to tell you something. If you think God is dull and boring, you don't know God. You don't know God no more than a sack of potatoes. He is not boring, and he is never dull. He's only boring and dull if you don't know nothing about him. And you don't trust him with your life. He is not. But he's so exciting. I get so excited about God. I talked to that guy on the phone the other day, and he said, man, your passion is out there. I said, I know, I know, I just love God. Now, I, I can stay steady, but once, once I start to talk about God, once I get up on this stage or another church or, or anywhere and I start talking about God, man, it lets loose, amen? Because that's what I got. That's what I'm full of is God. That's what God wants this whole church to be full of. Passion for him. You know what people like? Passion. Amen? Passion. Because if you're not passionate, why would they be passionate? If you're not full of love, why would they want to be your love, have your love? Passion. I learned something a long time ago. I have a hard time with the sermon of, of reading. I, I struggle with reading. Donna, like, well, you know I struggle, don't I, Donna? I struggle with it. I have to read something a zillion times, and I have to pray to get it. I mean, I struggle. I can't pronounce. I can't spell. I can't read, but it has not hindered me. 
There's no restrictions that can hinder you because God is the one doing it. Amen? I don't want any excuses because God, if you give me any excuse, that means you restricted God in your life. Now, God will take you to things and help you so lovingly and so restfully and peacefully and overcome those things. It took years to overcome these things. There's so many things I had to change my thoughts, my theology over the years to get where God was taking me. But I was willing to go, and so are you, right? I don't know everything about God, and I will never know everything about God until I go to heaven. But at least I'm trying to learn. He's never dull or boring, but exciting and powerful. He has anointed you to go and be where he has gone ahead to prepare. Amen? He's way out in front of us, folks. You just have to trust that. Josh, I bet the people over in your fire station know you've changed. I bet they know that. I bet they know that. Josh has come here, what, about three or four years now? I married him. What a beautiful couple. They've got Annie over there that they're adopting. Wow. And I can look at around this church. I'll guarantee you, Mary and Mike, people know you've changed. You know how I know? I've seen it. I've seen people that have really changed. Chris Abbott, you have changed. All of you, you changed. And some of the, some of the things where Satan has been after some of you people to, to, to be distracted and maybe be pulled out, you've overcome that. And you continue to change. I'll tell you something. This church hasn't changed. We still preach the word of God the way we did the first day to right now. We're still preaching the truth. We've not changed with the word of God. We can't change because that's all we have. So those that come in and go out, it's not you personally. It's not me personally. They just don't want the word of God the correct way. Love them, pray for them, and always try to bring them back. Amen? I'm going to close here in a few minutes. So we asked Jesse. This is, this is Samuel. I'm just going to go in a couple of verses. We're going to close. Brooke, you can come up at any time. Samuel is, Saul is going to be taken, be taken the kingship of, of Israel is going to be taken away from Saul. And it's going to be anointed to David. And appointed to David. And God has said, quit sulking, Samuel, about Saul. Get out there and do what I'm telling you to do. And so Samuel says, okay. And this is where we end up at. He, he's heading to Jesse's house, which is David's father. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and, Sam, and Jesse had several sons, David being the youngest. And so he asked Jesse, he says, are these all, all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Now, he had gone through all his other sons. I think it was six other sons. He had gone through all his sons, and they had come upon, and Samuel said, no, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. See, because God had a specific plan for a specific man, and he has a specific plan for a specific woman and man in this church. And your job is to figure out that plan. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. He was very adamant about it. In other words, they're not going to sit down. They're not going to go at rest or at peace. Samuel wants to accomplish this task that God's given him. And so he says in verse 12, so he sent for him and had, and had him brought in. Brought in. He was 
glowing with health and fine appearance and handsome features. He was a good-looking young man, but just a kid. Then he said, then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. If you're a child of God, he's got a plan for your life. If you're in this church, it's going to be done through this church. You can do things outside of this church. That's glorious, but you're learning through this church. We're ministering you through this church. When I became an evangelist many years ago, I asked the church to send me out. And they did. Because that's the way it's done in the word of God. I could have gone out and done whatever I wanted to do. But it wasn't the way the word of God says we go out through the church. Amen? Your challenge for the week. Go and be bacon. Who can resist bacon? It's not a hard challenge, is it? Can you do that, church? The next week, I'm going to give you some wonderful ideas and plans, and I want you to be excited about it. We'll have a team party right after. I'm going to tell you, if you think God's directing you to do something in this church, please don't hesitate. Pray over it. Come to me. We'll help you. We'll, we'll, we'll go through the steps through it. But we really need for you to be praying for youth minister. We have lots of young children coming up. And somebody needs to be in place and have a program in place, a plan in place to take care of these youth. There's so many things we can do with the youth in this church. Let's stand, please. If you're a child of God, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. If you're not a child of God, then please don't come. The Bible says not to do that. It would not be good for you. But if you are, come and enjoy the Lord and pray this week. Please, spend time in prayer on how God wants to use you to reach this community, to go and to be. And I love that. Go and be. Go and be. Go and be. You're going to hear me say that who knows how many times. But go and be. There's no restrictions with God. Amen? Let me tell you, the only restrictions I've ever had with God is my self-imposed restrictions. God has none. God has none. And he'll use you and he'll use this church for his, everybody say, glory. glory. Because it's about his what? Glory. Come and enjoy the Lord today. If you need to pray, come and pray. Be prepared.